Popeye's chicken pulls off a brilliant and somewhat scary publicity stunt, and Chinese spies might be after you. This is a Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Prez. Monica, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm just trying to avoid the hurricane. I feel like it's going to come around the sun. <laughs> I mean, all this blue sky, I know it's an illusion. I can barely stand up. Just the winds are knocking me down. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah, I have somebody walk behind me and, and just whip my rain jacket so it looks like it's getting whipped around. That is until the winds actually come. It reminds me of that crazy video, which I've seen debunked, but I think even I think the debunking is not right. Did you ever see that crazy video of the guys in, is it Saudi Arabia or something, during the Gulf War? Maybe they're CNN guys, I think, and they're they're like faking war stuff. Remember, that's really famous. There's like a blue screen behind them. I think I know what and you're talking laughing about. laughing. I know that there's a, I've seen like a handful of those. Yes. I never know if it's real or not, but whenever I, I see the hurricane people, I always think that, that behind, like if you just pan out, you'll see that it's like really a green screen or there's a big fan there. Didn't Geraldo put on a big stunt like that? Or is it Geraldo is it Rivera? Geraldo or Geraldo? Geraldo Rivera. I That's think right. his name is Jerry Rivers, right. but he right. says it's Geraldo Rivera. Only, be, only white know. nationalists say Geraldo, so it's Geraldo. Yes. yes, that would be. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. I can't remember, but I do think that once you pointed out the hurricane thing, it just cracks me up because they have been busted for that, right? Like oh, faking yeah. massive. <laughs> <laughs> Journalists have been busted for over dramatizing their situation. I think. Oh, so much. I think those, it was some of those pictures are so funny. I think he was pretending to be in the back. middle of like an attack or something. Yeah. And he was really far away from it. Kind of like Hillary when she acted like she was dodging bullets on the. Or she said she was dodging bullets when she was in another country, but they actually had video of her just walking openly across a. a target. And how about. Didn't Brian Williams go down because he said that he was in a. in in the thick of things, and it was a complete lie. And how is it okay that he's just back and a, and a deliverer of the he's news? He's not, is he? Yes, he's been back for a Brian long time. Brian Williams? He has made back a comeback? On, he's, on, he's been on MSNBC for at least the past year and a half, and he's got a show, <laughs> and he delivers the news, and he says the same stuff, condescending stuff, and he calls Trump a liar just like everybody else, and <laughs> nobody cares. This guy just made up and- a bunch of stuff. When he did this crazy interview with Edward Snowden. So Edward Snowden is like the world's most wanted. And he's hole up in Russia under tight security. We can't find him anywhere. And Brian Williams is like strolls into some hotel lobby and has an interview with him. Broadcasted on national TV at prime time. And I just called BS on it. I was like, this is ridiculous. That guy is not in Russia. He's a CIA agent. Whatever. Speaking about Edward Snowden. And... I remember people saying to me, but this is Brian Williams. He is not going to (laughs) lie. And then, like, within a year, he was completely busted for a lie so big that it got him fired. And you know what? A lot of the people who are watching him right now, these younger people they target, this is another reason to target the younger people. They're not going to have any recollection of that. I have thought about that, like, how how you're – certain things in history can't repeat while people still have memory of them. And I wonder if the world would be a better place 
if human beings lived longer or had memory longer memories and just said, Hey man, I can't, I remember it. You're not, but, but I don't think so. I don't think your memory lasts as long as your lifetime. No, it doesn't. And the way that they're funneling information at us so quickly and overwhelming us and the way the truth conflicts so often that they can kind of wipe stuff from people's memory mm-hmm. if they want to. And they can change the past just by repeating something over and over and over again that's not true. How about the fact that Democrats are anti-truthers now? That's unbelievable. Don't these people remember when they were just like, the Republicans did it. They did it, you know, and now they're just like, you're a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, but you're the Democrat. <laughs> like, what? How do you not, you know, what, whatever happened to that? Yeah. More people thought it was an inside job then than now. And that's not usually how it works. Yeah. Now you're like a Klan member if you think it's an inside job. It's ridiculous. But did back- you hear Biden say that we're going for truth over facts? Yeah, I did. That was so like, that's the, they're like, it doesn't matter. Whether you're right or not, if you if you believe in conspiracy theories, you're speaking of Biden. Did you see that? Who's it? Isaacson is stepping down. Yeah. Yes. Because of Parkinson's. Yeah. And there was just a mass call on social media for Stacey Abrams to step. She's not going to. But for her Mm -hmm. to step up and run for that office. Yeah. The two names I thought of. Erickson already said him on WSB today, but the two names I thought of were Sonny Perdue. Sonny Perdue, and, and the other one was John Ossoff, I figure he'll make, because we have two Senate seats opening up next year. Yeah, John Ossoff is going to take a break from playing beer pong like he's been doing for the oh past 18 gosh. months and Years. sending out canned email, <laughs> uh, fundraising emails, and he's going to go do another robotic campaign for his his dad, who's never been mentioned anywhere, never pictured any campaign, who the only thing that I can find of him online is him riding around in his personally built yacht in China <laughs> with a Chinese flag on it with Chinese government officials. But yeah, John well, that, Ossoff is homegrown. Well, this young, vote young, is definitely going to work in his favor. But the thing about Sonny Perdue, so I told a story about the chicken farmers recently getting aid in this uh it is like government aid to make up for retaliatory tariffs from china remember i explained that the other day did that make sense to you do you understand the problem say it again the other day on the air i mentioned on this show and drive time prop that sunny purdue is delivering a something like a 500 million dollar relief package to agriculture to make up for retaliatory tariffs imposed or allegedly imposed by China that's hurting our farmers. And the AJC reported that a lot of that money was going to go to the poultry industry, and most of the poultry industry is in Georgia. So as I read the article, at the end of it, it said uh, the poultry industry is pretty excited because it's been four years since they've, they've taken that big demand hit because they were barred from selling any poultry in China since 2015 and an outbreak of the avian flu. So there's no way that tariffs or retaliatory measures by China barring U.S. goods into China is going to hurt them because they cannot sell anything in China. So that seemed like a scam to me. Then I looked, I was like, does Sonny Purdue like scam for his cronies? 
And there are plenty of articles that says he does. And my family just, or I should say my mom just loves Sonny Perdue because my son, who has Down syndrome, when he was in kindergarten, they went to do the the Christmas tree lighting at the governor's mansion. And Sonny Perdue was the governor and brought him up on stage. This kid is like, (laughs) if you've ever met a five-year-old who has Down syndrome, trust me, you don't want to put him on stage, put him on, I think it was on TV. He took and and he and Sonny says to my son, like he's like, okay, we're gonna count down till we light the light. So they're asking my kindergartner with Down syndrome to count backwards. <laughs> and this kid is a runner. So like he runs away and thinks it's funny. I mean half people that don't have Down syndrome can't count backwards. <laughs> can't count backwards under like on the stage in front of the you know, in front of the on TV with the governor and his wife. So my son takes the microphone away from Sonny Purdue and like puts it against his mouth. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and he's like, kind of like, 10, no. I was pretty proud that he could actually do it, but it was super, super funny and really, really cute. And it actually worked out. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe even his teachers allowed it, but it worked out. It was fun. And it was super cute. And like my mother to this, I mean, the last time I talked to my mother, which was on my son's birthday, which is Ron Paul's birthday. She said, uh, you gotta write to Sonny Padoo. You gotta tell him. We still love him for that. He's what a nice guy, right? I mean, you could just tell. I'm like, you know, yeah. that's what politicians do. But I hate to be disloyal to Sonny Purdue, but he does have. And you know what? Every politician's going to have an article like that written about him. But he was in ag. And I just, the one dot I did not connect was that he brought, not I don't know if at him, but the ice raids were at poultry manufacturers, certain number. And I just wondered if there was a cronyistic element to that. You know, if that would shut down those poultry manufacturers just in time for the other guys to split $500 million. You know what I'm saying? Like it really could have been massively corrupt. And then when I heard Isaacson was stepping down, I wondered if Sonny Perdue would come back and do that. He might be, well, I mean, I guess he's not too old to be secretary of agriculture. So he could come back for that. I don't know. And Ossoff. So that Senate thing is a big deal. So you think Ossoff and Sonny Perdue are going to run? Is that the uh, the two you said? Uh, I was just saying those are the two names that came to mind. Who are we're, we have two? Normally, only have one senator every three years, I guess, something like that. Can't be every three years, but every so often, like they they stagger it. So in twenty twenty, one of the senators is only going to get a two year term, and the other senator is going to get a six year term. Because Isaacson has three years left. He's going to bow out at the end of 2019. The governor, I think normally the way it works is the governor appoints somebody to take the place until there's a special election on the next calendared election day, which is next November, presidential election day. And that person will just finish out Isaacson's term so they don't screw up the number. Every two years, 33 or whatever new senators hit D.C. And they don't mess with that. So that you don't have a whole freshman class like you do for congressmen. So he's gonna so somebody's gonna run for a two year term and somebody's gonna run for a six year term. I, I wonder so, if when yeah. they the freshman congressmen and senators yeah. get to yeah. Washington, mm-hmm. if they're they might not realize it, but I wonder if they're just 
ambushed and surrounded by agents of espionage within the country and those from outside of the country because you know absolutely yeah that they're the they're the new targets that people want to compromise and they're probably even the ones that aren't even the ones that are, that are almost impossible to corrupt are probably just having to watch their back at every second Watch yeah, they drinks. don't know. And then, and how about when they get invited to the parties? Like I think it said in the Franklin cover-up, where they get invited to the parties and they get roofied or whatever, and then they get pictures taken of themselves in compromising positions, and then they are owned. Yeah, it's like that. Some of that Epstein stuff we talked about by donating donating money and getting people to accept money that compromises them especially after he had already been arrested. So after he's arrested, if he's donating all this money to these foundations and they don't have a process where they're really vetting the money and they're just taking it in because it's a big check and they're, they're just focused on what they want to do and not on who they're, who's funding it, then it could be pretty easy to attach his name to somebody, and that was probably a tactic for him. Now you're attached to me, so you're going to oh, do what and, I say. But I, I think that they probably follow that through and say, hey, we love you. We're giving you all this money. Come come on a weekend trip to the Caribbean. It wasn't called Lolita Island. You know, they maybe didn't. Well, I right. guess you're saying it, it was happening after. This was it after, was so they didn't know. So that's if you're going down there after, you're in trouble, but you're right. You invite yeah. some people. You give them money. You say, Take let's go on pictures. a trip on my plane. Let's go down yeah. here, and simply by getting on the plane and stepping on the island, if you step on a plane, there's a bunch of underage girls in bikinis, and people are taking pictures. They, what, there's nothing you can do. Well, also, I don't think – I think the way he got a slap on the wrist and then had that PR campaign to rehabilitate his image, I'm not sure people – I don't think people knew this was going to happen. I don't think people knew – that there was going to be any fallout. Oh, the stuff right now? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if of you were an MIT that. professor, you're not going to be like, I'm not going with you. Yes, I know yes. what's coming. It's like, it's over. I Absolutely. get away with everything. Yeah. I think a lot of them probably didn't care. But I'm just saying that if there were people that were harder to compromise, the way that they, the way that spies recruit and compromise people, then they have to use coercion and. It's easy to co- to to use people's need for money. Uh, yeah, either way, bribery or blackmail. Or bribery. Right. So it's challenging. We'll touch on some of that stuff oh, a little bit later. Um, but can I just? Oh, go ahead. Are yeah. we the Epstein thing? I just wanted to point out that yesterday when I said, "Oh, one of those chicks is an actress," and it's not being reported that she's an actress, isn't that weird? And I don't want to out them because this seems like a real psyop and. I don't want, like, just reveal, outing this chick makes me nervous. I said that on the air. And I've gotten all sorts of reports that my Twitter feed went down right after that, and I did get it back up. It just asked me to verify myself and all that. It was fine. But it was a weird coincidence because I never say that. It did. It said. And it just went down. It posed a, uh, you had to click because it said there might be sensitive material because it's had strange activity. And then when you click on it, it shows your profile, but it showed that you weren't following anybody. It said you were following zero people. But then hmm. you click on your followers, and that was still there. But now it looks normal. Yeah, I, I, re, I just reset. I said, if you want to restart this process, you need to verify who you are and click a bunch of I was of trying to figure out what they might have done that for. And it might possibly be 
what you were just talking about. But the yeah. whole crisis actor thing, accusing somebody of being a crisis actor. But I wasn't. I know you weren't, but she's an actress, <laughs> right? So, but the way that the way that it was, you posted that with the yeah. photo below. It yeah. looked. You said that, and then the photo of her you had below looked just like one of those. Uh, collage well, photos oh, of the yes. crisis actors, sa- person at the same cri- uh, Boston uh, Marathon, yes. um, at all the same tragedies, and yes. the one they so it looked like you were doing that from. When and you I realized why because I put two pictures up. One was her headshot from IMDb, and the other was a screenshot from the video where she was crying to about Epstein. So it totally looked like one of those where like fake yeah. crying and right. yeah, that's true. I didn't mean to at all. I was just like, she's an actress. See, why are they not reporting that? That's a weird thing. They say he, she was his personal masseuse, but she was in the hangover like at that time, <laughs> you know, why was she doing this? That seems weird. What was and her the, role in the hangover? I didn't investigate that. I just, it was, I clicked on it to make sure it was the hangover that like, yeah. not like some Taiwanese version of the hangover. And it had the same guys. I don't know who they were. I figured she was a bridesmaid or something. Maybe she was the ma- the bride actually. I'd have to look her up because you can be in the hangover and have a small role and not really make very much money. And right, right, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally have been in movies. I've had small roles. Arguably, somebody could make the same argument about me. I'm on IMDb. I get what you're saying. I just don't understand why they would say she. You might know her. Like it's amazing that this person who you might know is a witness, is was abused by Jeffrey Epstein. Like, normally you like use Harvey your celebrity. Weinstein. They, they say yeah, the name you of, normally yeah. use your celebrity. Right. I'm interested to know, because he probably was promising them modeling jobs or I'll help you do whatever. And, that's and his got, first, the accusation was that chick in Santa Monica. Do I know? The first accusation was that chicken in Santa Monica who said he offered her some kind of modeling thing and yeah. he was attached to the Victoria's Secret guy whose models are big and that that MC2 whatever modeling guy, that guy who disappeared. So he definitely had that kind of thing. But yeah, it might be. Let's see. There was she's... somebody in Atlanta who did that, who exploited people. She was a bridesmaid. I thought she was a bridesmaid, so I recognized her. Yeah. That's something. That's interesting. Like she was on Enlightened. She was Shauna in a TV series called Enlightened. She was Leanne in a TV show called, I don't know. How many credits does she have? called Balance. Eight credits as an actress. Does it say, does, does it say um, she plays not, herself as a Jeffrey Epstein victim at the bottom? <laughs> it does not say that, which is why I think I should not. I, I, I think I'm completely within the realm of. I'm not saying that. Well, maybe it's not updated yet. I, you never know. Who knows? Never know. Anyway, I just think it was newsworthy. Noteworthy. No, it is. It's definitely And they didn't. And they, they did not Whenever they it. omit things like that, yeah. it's always interesting. It's like, why did they leave this piece of information out? Yeah, I think it would have been really interesting. Because that is the most frequently used and probably powerful propaganda technique is omitting vital facts, which change the meaning of <laughs> yes. what we're witnessing or what we're learning about. Well, they'll probably come out with it now. I've noticed that every once in a while. Hello? 
Yes, hello. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, I've noticed that every once in a while that I'll say something like that. And that maybe other people notice it at the same time, but the narrative, I think I might have changed a narrative or two over the years by saying something like that. That's definitely not impossible. Oh my gosh, that reminds me. Definitely not impossible? Mm-hmm. Definitely impossible. What? Did she drop out? Kristen yes, she Gillibrand? did. Yes, she did. Oh. I've decided that it's no longer definitely not impossible. <laughs> my candidacy is definitely <laughs> so impossible. definitely impossible. I'm dropping out to support whoever I'm told to support here in <laughs> exactly. a few months. Because I really believe in fill-in name here. <laughs> I'll, I'll be spending my time in my adult cheerleading squad league. <laughs> Or at Nexium with her dad. Oh, there you go. There you go. This, yeah, this stuff is just crazy. You have her with Nexium. You got Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Kamala Harryless. Is that what? With, with the Knights Templar thing. You got Joe Biden. Who, whether he's putting on an act or not, he's I think, completely. Come on, don't I'm say sure that. I'm sure he's putting on an yeah, act. Okay. He's just come mindless. on. Come on. How are these people even? Joe, three, oh, 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 People with just clear, clear red marks, red flags that nobody talks about and everybody's okay totally. with. Raising millions upon millions of dollars in fundraising from people who are just like, oh, I don't care. Knights Templar money. Take it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. It just blows my mind. I guess it's, I guess it lowers the bar so that when the person they pick, when all their scandals are exposed, then it's like, yeah, well, all the others were a lot worse. So that's really what it is. It's lowering the well, bar so low. Well, that's what Biden's wife said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so she, her her point was def- was actually Gillibrand says definitely not impossible, but it's definitely impossible. Joe's motto is definitely not impossible. Like that yeah. they're they're vying for the privilege to plausibly say definitely not impossible. And I I'll tell you stuff like this. So it looks so obvious to me that Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. It's so I obvious. I know, but like I get that stuff wrong, wrong, You're right, wrong. Man. <laughs> they're always one step ahead of me. It drives me crazy. I owe somebody 50 bucks for betting on Stacey Abrams announcing that she's going to run. I'm not giving up on that yet, but don't don't put money on stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. There's no I good can candidate. I see the trends, but I don't get the I get the strategy, I get the trends, but the the tactics from day to day, they are one step ahead of me because they have the resources to be and they've taken the lead. The they, strongest candidate is Bernie Sanders. Or Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden. I mean, that's just not. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, Joe Biden, the way he's, you know, the way he's being presented is not as a strong candidate. The way Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they're being presented as stronger candidates. Stacey Abrams and Bernie Sanders, I could possibly see that happening. Bernie Sanders is so old. I know. Losing that. Did you see Elizabeth Warren charging up that golf course? Splitting? Like she was. Like she no, was a four hundred runner. I never watched TV. People like, were going nuts uh, because TV. she was. I mean, she was like doing like a four four forty, just waving to people. And my guess is that her campaign strategist, they were, they set oh, up to, to illustrate that she's younger, that she's in good shape because she's pr- close to seventy two, I think. If so I, is she really running? Oh yeah, I think yeah, she looks. 70. She was hauling ass. 
I don't mean running. I mean, is she is she really trying to win? Like, is she, and her motto would be, nevertheless, she persisted. Yeah. Mitch McConnell gave her that one. Yeah, yeah. She's I doing... called it the day he said that. I was like, she's running, and her motto is going to be, nevertheless, she persisted. She's going to, if she was in a debate against Joe Biden, she'd probably step into the middle of the stage and start wow. doing burpees and push-ups just to show that she can do what Joe can't. Come on, Listen Joe. Listen to this. I was just typing. I was going to look for her wiki so I could tell you how old she was. Guess, obviously, you can guess now. What's the first search term on Google? Elizabeth Warren. Pogonis. Age. Age, yeah, okay. 70 exactly. I thought so. She was born in 1949. So, yeah, she's older than she seems. Her yeah. and Pete Budovich. Pete Budovich did it first because the thing kept popping up into my Twitter. That's the drawback from... Following all the all the progressive progressives yeah. as well, and, and signing up to all those email lists is every day I get these Twitter ads saying, "Do you want to come have pizza with Pete, Mayor Pete, and uh, uh, wherever Notre Dame, wherever he's from? Come on up and have pizza with Pete. Enter the contest, <laughs> and you can sit down and talk policy with Pete." Now, I don't need pizza with Pete. Thank you. The next the next day, it's want to grab a beer with Elizabeth Warren. No, I don't want a beer with Elizabeth Warren. I don't want to enter a contest. I don't want to give you any money. Well, Bernie is 77, and he just looks like an old communist chairman. Like, he's just too old. But it's it's funny because one of her books, Elizabeth Warren's books from 2014, this is because I just Googled and this is what popped up. It's called A Fighting Chance. I I feel like like everybody's everybody's motto is just like, definitely not impossible. Hey, I'm telling you, I got a chance. My, My husband is... The best you're gonna do, <laughs> like none of these things are very compelling political campaign taglines. Vote for me because I'm kind of good. <laughs> exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what? Do you, so, uh, what you got, man? I got. I have a lot of stuff, but you don't want what I, what I have <laughs> here, which is Elizabeth Warren's tax idea. You no. want to hear about Elizabeth well, Warren's tax idea? It's certainly not over a beer with her. I would not like to and. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'd like to talk about Popeyes. To oh yes, I want to hear about that. That is absolutely uh, top of the news cycle. Let's hear it. So, if you're unaware of what not you, but the, everybody listening, if you're not aware of what's going on with Popeyes, is Popeyes just conducted a very, very successful, brief, successful, profitable public public relations stunt where they were rolling out. What they announced is August 12th, they announced their first ever chicken sandwich that's going to be available nationally in all of their restaurants. I mean, this is like a big event they were rolling out, and they made this tweet. They never had a chicken sandwich before? They had had special events, oh, okay, okay. chicken sandwiches So this available. is a new menu item. Yes. You know, apparently a long-awaited one the way people <laughs> talked about it. Like, people are sitting around going, man— if only Popeyes had a chicken sandwich. And how? Why? And you know why? Why didn't they think of that? Like, what, who could have thought of a chicken sandwich? We can put bread on either side place. of this, right? I on, mean, I know it's a radical idea. No one's ever done it before. There's good bread on both sides <laughs> of that chicken. Trump might say. I can't believe nobody ever thought of that before. Well, yeah. They might, I, I want to look into their marketing team. I wonder if they've done this type of stuff frequently. But what they did, they did a publicity stunt that really illustrates the state of America today. And it it's foreshadows what's going to happen and what we're going to be subjective to and the way we're going to be torn apart unless we stop reacting to it. So I think it's good to take note of because here's what they did. 
they posted an image of a beautiful and delicious looking chicken sandwich on August 12th, and then they they put their little tweets where it uh, foresh- it told what was going on that was being released, and you know then I didn't hear about it at all until a week later on August 19th. Chick Fil A, which regularly tweets. So it's not like they just tweeted out of nowhere. Chick-fil-A tweeted a picture of their sandwich, something that they do quite often. They tweet pictures of their <laughs> what food. What else are they going to tweet? Right, yeah. I mean, right. I tweet pictures of their food. I don't see their employees. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a cannibal. I'm not going to eat their employees. So on that tweet, they wrote something about them being you know, the original chicken sandwich, one of their mottos. And Nowhere did they mention Popeyes. Nowhere did they make a reference. Nobody in their right mind would read that and think, "Oh my gosh, this is a response." They, this, they're, they're coming at Popeyes. No, it had nothing to do with Popeyes whatsoever. They probably didn't even know what Popeyes was doing <laughs> right. yet. But Popeyes comes and they reply on Chick Fil A's post. <gasps> So, That's uncool. Right. So uh, Chick-fil-A's was an original post. It wasn't a post to right. uh, Popeye's. And right. their their post, all it said was something like, you mad, bro? Question mark. Something like, are you all right, bro? Something like that. That's it. Very, very minor. That's kind of funny. That was the only interaction that Chick-fil-A and Popeye's had. Chick-fil-A did not reply to it. They didn't take the, the bait. Mm-hmm. Nobody at Chick-fil-A made a statement. They were asked for a statement. They didn't make a statement about it. Nothing happened. Yet if you entered this little thing in the middle of it without knowing that like I did, you would think that Chick-fil-A and Popeyes have been slugging it out for for years. That they were old arch rivals and they were finally having the debate. The chicken wars had finally culminated into this Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's chicken sandwich. Which one is better? That's when I entered it because that's that was when it was trending is when that was going on. You have no, no idea that Chick-fil-A has in no way done anything to be involved in this. So They've just been pulled in and people are acting like they're involved in it because what – Chick-fil-A didn't respond, but here's the other people that responded. Wendy's jumped in and said, well, our chicken sandwich is the best. And <laughs> Wendy's did a little back and forth. They gave Popeye's the the little controversial fight that they were looking for. This is a this is a technique that's used all the time in marketing. What? It's create fake controversy and attack like your biggest arch rival because it's going to draw attention to you. And a lot of times people play along with it just like they do in politics. They play along with it. But other times, people do not play along with it, just like in politics, but it doesn't matter. Other people can make it look like you're engaging yeah, right. in the fight, even if you're not. Like, Chick-fil-A wasn't. So, Wendy's jumps in. Everybody mocks Wendy's because Wendy's sucks, you know. Nobody cares about Wendy's. Steak and Shake even jumps in. They play around a little bit. Everybody mocks Steak and Shake. Nobody cares. But the real battle is not between Steak and Shake and Wendy's and, and uh, Popeye's. They don't matter, and there's a reason they don't matter. The real battle is between Chick-fil-A and Popeye's. The reason nobody, the reason Popeye's did not want to blow up the Popeye's versus Wendy's versus Steak and Shake is because there's no polarizing tension that can be exploited there. There's no racial tension that can be exploited there. There's no political undertones that yeah, just reverberate sure. through it. And that, and that is why it had to be Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is the Donald Trump. In this scenario, they're they're a proxy, <laughs> yeah. and they're racist, they're bigots, they're homophobics, they're everything that Popeyes is not. And Popeyes was positioned and it positioned, and this was echoed in a lot of in, in articles I saw and in tweets that people made as the non-controversial 
you know, good, all that's good about humans alternative to the evil, racist, homophobic chicken over at Chick-fil-A. So this was progressives versus the racist right wing. And there and it worked too. It all they had to do was tweet those that one thing in reply, trigger some people, and then get a couple little bit of fights with uh, Wendy's, and then social media took off. The digital herd took off. It's a top trending hashtag, and everybody's got something to say. And the reason people are saying it is because they see it through a political lens. They see, I ain't going to eat Chick-fil-A. They're racist. Finally, Popeye's has it. Finally, we got a good chicken sandwich. And people would start. So the first comment underneath hmm. the Chick-fil-A thing, when Chick-fil-A hmm. posted it, had been made – I think on August 20th, and it was not the most recent comment. <laughs> it said, you should try, because Chick-fil-A had said, said what their ingredients are on their sandwich. And the first comment said, oh, you forgot one ingredient, all your homophobia. And it was from somebody who had like three followers. Uh, right. So and Established on right. joined Twitter August 25th, uh-huh. <laughs> 2019. So I've gotten a few of those lately. Every single reference that was political or racially divisive was showing up at the top of this. So people were making other statements, but the ones that social media were showing us were the ones that were making it political in nature and racially divisive in nature. And it just, there was news stories about it, articles about it. I mean, it was a phenomenon. And it was it was interesting because it, it was the type of phenomenon, we talk about fake news causes causes real crime or real problems sometimes not that this is crime but fake news causes real long yeah, lines yeah. at Popeyes yeah. <laughs> and they so how was the sandwich sorry oh I don't know I didn't have the sandwich but, tr- oh they're out of them yes and this is what I'm getting to they oh, uh <laughs> the stores ran out across the country and they sorry I didn't mean to, to steal that but it was it's on the news it was on the radio right and they intentionally <laughs> did that the plan it was, was to such run a out big deal it, right. it's another one this another uh advertising technique is that you um it's you do you offer less than the demand so that people crave it and so they people are wrapped around the stores I, and i i can't remember what state maybe missouri or something like that the store ran out in five hours people were waiting hours and hours like it's the nintendo wii to get this thing <laughs> and People were hoarding them. People were buying Ew. multiple sandwiches, and they were showing up on, like, eBay for, like, $150. What? Get, get this unopened, How? this unopened, never-touched chicken sandwich from Popeye's for $150. It was madness. And at, in my neighborhood, on Next Door, you know what Next Door is? Yeah. There was somebody who's, who, who uh, posted saying, don't go down this road that everybody has to take. It's like a popular road people need to go on because the Popeye's there— the cars are wrapped around the building twice, and they are out into into the middle of traffic, blocking the entire street while people are waiting to get that chicken sandwich. And it's been that way for like an hour. <laughs> I mean, it was causing mass hysteria. Now that happens at Chick Fil A quite frequently. Chick Fil A, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's like that does happen at Chick. Like I, I avoid Chick Fil A during any like three hours within three hours of any meal. Time. I go inside. It never takes longer than a couple oh, minutes does inside. It not? Okay. But. It ended up it, – it caused this mass hysteria, and then today there was a story that said – well, it, it rooted from a post by Popeyes. They said, uh-oh, we're out. We sold out. We sold out of all of the chicken. All of the chicken are dead. There's no more chicken. 
until we make some more chicken genetically engineered somewhere, we're not going to have another sandwich. So we will no longer be, be selling chicken sandwiches after next week. So the, the intent was never to release the chicken sandwich for a long period what? of time nationally. Wait, they're not doing it? No, it, they posted saying, we've run out. We sold out. Thank I you. I know, but like surely they have... They had new shipments well, of in course already they did. the pipeline. Yeah, but this was the strategy all along. It was going to be a brief thing to bring right. brand Right, so it awareness. wasn't a new menu item. It was a, it was just a seasonal, you know, like they do that, a promotional yeah, well, thing. It, promotion, it was promotion. a new menu item on a national scale. They had served a chicken sandwich before, but they had never served it nationally at every store like they did. But they made people believe it was going to be a new menu item for good, and then they pulled it back. After it just exploded. And guess what? They'll do the same thing next year for, uh, for a couple of weeks, and it might work again. But the reason that people got up off the couch and they were willing to leave their children at home or <laughs> leave work, not take care of some responsibility or another, and go wait in line at Popeye's for an hour in the middle of traffic, risking their life and the life of their children that might be in the car with them, is because... <laughs> had nothing to do with wanting to have that sandwich. It's because they were making a political statement just like people who go to the Women's March do. So they were in line because they were taking a stand against Donald Trump. Against, against, <laughs> I'm serious. They saw Chick-fil-A to them is everything that Donald Trump represents, and that, that is a large part of what compelled them. You know what? I, I'm going to do this because I'm going to get a good sandwich, and I'm going to stick it to them. So this was activism combined. This was activism used to make them a lot of money and to get them, I believe it was estimated by some marketing research firm, $23 million worth of social media advertisements for free based on the chatter and mentions by the digital mob, which was they, they paid a little bit of money to, to wow. start this and stir it up. And then yeah. the digital mob just took over. And the reason wow. it worked is because they weaponized identity politics in the realm of marketing and advertising for a sandwich. And why this is scary is because other businesses, if I'm a unethical, corrupt business owner who doesn't care at all, who's willing to do whatever, just uh, just if, if all I care about is power and profit, then I then what I see is wow, all I have to do is inject. Extremely (laughs) divisive identity politics into our ads that makes people want to choose a side. And so I need, so all I got to do is pick an enemy that I can kind of frame out to be just like Donald Trump or just like the right. And I'm the angel, and people will go because they want to feel like they're taking a stand against authoritarianism and what's going on in this country. So they're exploiting these people. Maybe they got a good sandwich, but the fact is they are exploiting the racial tensions, and they're amplifying them, and they're doing it for their own profit. And businesses are going to do this. Let They would be dumb not to try it. Look how well it worked. So they're, they're definitely going to try it. They're, they'll make a lot of money off of it, and they'll keep doing it until we stop reacting to it because in politics are going to keep doing it and business are going to keep doing it. We're going to be getting nothing but divisive identity politics and marketing and, and politics and media until the public as a whole stops reacting to the provocations. And didn't you say that that exploitation was further exploited? Oh, it was. And this is what Bernays talks about in – and maybe this was orchestrated with them, but I don't think it was. Bernays talked about how when you organize one of these publicity stunts, the propaganda stunts, that some you organize a few of them, and by organizing a few of them, 
other spontaneous types of activism that is, is similar erupts. So if you, you just start the dominoes, you know, and so here's what happened. This, this was hilarious to me. An activist in North Carolina went up to very smart of this person or whoever told him to do it, went up to a Popeye's where, you know, people had nothing else to do. They're waiting in line for three hours for a freaking sandwich and starts going car to car and registering people to vote. That's a Stacey Abrams move right there. I don't know if she was involved in that at all, but that is a total Stacey Abrams act, activist move. They would go to bars and stuff, and they would get people – they would get their target market when they were drinking, when they were – when they would write their name sloppy so they could claim voter suppression. They could say exact match doesn't work. I mean that, that's, that's a setup for that. But he was spouting right. the indivisible, the resistance talking points every single one. He was like 16, and he's saying things like, I just think voting is <laughs> – is is our right, our civic duty as Americans, and I couldn't live with myself. I didn't come up here and try to get more people registered because that's what we have to do to fight this regime. Just all the talking points, <laughs> and and he registered a, a good number of people. I don't, yeah, I bet. So like, and it's interesting. And too. she sent people over. You said to Chick Fil A also to uh, on the lines of Chick Fil A to register those. people? No, nobody nobody went over to register the <laughs> the <not>. Christians. <laughs> Over at Chick Fil A, they don't. They're they're already it's registered. Not that you want probably, everyone. it's like the um, <clears throat> it's like when I had my son and I lived in L.A. The general idea wasn't that pro-choice meant choice. They, it was like the choice was predetermined. I, it was it was when Sarah Palin was running, and she had a child with Down syndrome, and like the Democrats hated her so much that they kind of demonized making the, quote, choice yeah. of having a baby with Down syndrome. So I was like, wait, I thought you were pro-choice. Why is it not my choice? Yeah, yeah. And then, so it just takes it off the, right. uh, it's not really that they just want every young person to register to vote. They just want the they, people right. they want their... who are self-selected as anti-Chick-fil-A activists are much more likely to be Democrats. And it's really brilliant, too, that aspect of it. If that that kid, is brilliant, if that actually. Kid thought that of is that, brilliant. If that kid yeah. thought of that on his own, give him a campaign job, because that is... The, the target market, and Stacey Abrams will tell you this on every MSNBC show, every late night show, every CNN show, because she's on them every single day now, and they all... They all say, "What's that again?" Uh, Voter GA or uh, what's it called? Fair Fight, Fair Fight Georgia GA dot org. I mean, this is a marketing campaign for Stacey Abrams' website, just relentless going on right now. And it's a twenty state campaign where she's fighting voter suppression, uh, something which she she made up in this last election, <laughs> which does and exist. And that they deny that Anderson Cooper denied with her. I think it was his show. You told me right that. They denied that there's illegal voting. Yeah, the whole the whole I have known segment. So many people who have voted illegally. It was just it, in the, it was the thing to do in L.A. And even when I was in school in col- in graduate school in uh, San Francisco Bay Area, it's it, it makes other your head students, spin. transfer students, exchange students were voting. The way that these people can look at the camera and say with such disdain, yes. "Well, Donald Trump again is." Uh, uh, spouting the conspiracy theory that there is voter suppression. There's not, but he's saying it anyway, evidence-free. Okay, now here on we have Stacey Abrams, who's, who uh, the rightful governor of Georgia is going to be telling us about <laughs> the voter suppression in Georgia. <laughs> governor Abrams, could you, like, it's just the way that they're able to do that without it's a It's an imaginary governor. It, yeah, Abrams. it's crazy. <laughs> I think I saw somebody today tweeted, 
when uh, the whole thing broke about Isaacson, somebody yeah. was like, I wonder if Stacey Abrams is going to have to resign the governorship before she runs for the Senate. <laughs> right. That's pretty good. How is, her, uh, how is her performance these days? It's robotic. It's, it's, is it still? Her performance is solid when she's talking to a group of African-Americans, activists. That's, where, that's her strong suit. Right. She's like a preacher. But when she's on CNN and those other shows, I think she, yeah. tries, she scales it back. She's out of her groove. Yeah, she scales I it was back. Thinking, uh, I was thinking with, like, because I remember they used to do that with Obama, too. Like, what a speaker. What a great, great speaker. And it was like, he's a regular speaker. Like, it's a little racist yeah. to be like, oh, he's such a great, unbelievable speaker. Yeah, you can only say that <clears throat> if you're a liberal. You're not allowed to say that. Yes, right, right. Because what did you expect? Yeah. What did you expect? What do you mean by that? So, but here's the thing, is that he he actually really, like, got into his role, and Michelle, too, who looked like a harpy in the she, beginning. She's a good speaker. She's She's good. So good. I figured something out. I was thinking, the, the I was mentioning to my husband that she, she, with or without Obama, so I don't know if the terms of the deal changed, but different articles had different explanations of it but for her book and maybe a book of his i'm not sure her book she got a 65 million dollar advance on her book (laughs) and i was doing the math like every which way it's yeah, it's totally normal. Somebody who's never written a book. So your not, first book, we'll give you $65 million. How's that sound? Ob- Obama's, you'd have to sell like 33 million copies of the book for that to make sense. And Obama had the fourth best-selling biography of the 21st century, something like that. And it wasn't even a million copies sold. Yeah. So I, I read that article like three times about the copies of the book sold. That's what it said. Now... It just doesn't seem even possible to me because he was making ten million bucks, or several million dollars a year, supposedly from selling the book. Now, my husband pointed out, he said sixty-five million dollars would make sense easy if it included the book tour. Oh, he yeah. said she sold out twice mm-hmm. the O2 in London which isn't even her country, you know, where she was the first lady. His country. 50, 50 pounds a seat, which is whatever it is these days, 70 bucks, I don't know. But, and it's thousands, mm-hmm. tens of That's thousands of That's the model, of yeah. That's so, what Abrams has been doing. She's been touring. So I have to assume that, well, I don't, I'm not assuming, but the $65 million would make sense, but if, they're, if she has to kick it back. But my point was that these people are, like, th- this is the created person mm-hmm. thing. I mean, they are, because that is not Michelle. Uh, you remember Michelle Obama. She had a, she was an outspoken person before Obama was president, and they toned her down. They changed her look. They yeah. changed her attitude. She was the lawyer lady. See, like, I didn't she know was that. the tough guy. Yeah, yeah, she was the tough guy. And then now she, they just completely changed her, and she, she's great at it. And she, she is very good. Yeah, she is this created person, and they act all lovey-dovey and stuff. It's so funny. Have you seen her and George Bush, lovey-dovey? Oh, I have seen that. There's another, who knows what's One more thing about the about. Popeyes thing. They have, Stacey Abrams' thing is, we want to get as many people of color registered as possible. That was, that was one of the main objectives 
during her campaign. It's been one of the main objectives during all of her activism training. She teaches activism. She's been training people in activism since at least 2014, funded by George Soros. Her organizations are. Her, her first organization to do that was funded by him. And all of her organizations at some point in time have been kind of um, involved in scandals and investigations, and then she separated herself from them. But the, the idea is to get as many people of color off the couch, to get them registered. And what a great strategy for whoever decided to do this. Everybody, a bunch of people are already in line, and Popeye's target demographic is going to be more African-Americans, obviously, than Chick-fil-A. And especially when it's framed in the context of not only are you getting good chicken, you're sticking it to the, the man, the totalitarian Donald Trump Chick-fil-A character. So you're already making a political statement. Somebody comes up and knocks on your window. Of course you're going to register to vote. What you're already in that spirit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, a brilliant. Absolutely, strategy. that is genius. It's absolutely genius. It's you are there in that emotional state for that reason. That is really genius, and I and I bet you're right. I bet it takes off. Yeah, we're gonna see more of that. Yep, I agree with that. So, are you ready for another yeah. story that I read? Yeah, hit me. With I read. You. First of all, I just want to mention this thing. They they're calling. Have you heard of the Pantaleo effect? I think you told me the name, but I never got to hear what it is. Okay. The cop who was fired for an illegal chokehold of Eric Garner, which I remember at the time doing a whole show on that. I mean, I dug into that like nobody's business. It did not appear to me to be an illegal chokehold. And my cousin, who is a New York City police officer, said it was not. Oh, and really? the guy died because he was fragile. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that it relieves the people of responsibility. I'm just saying he didn't die because it was an illegal chokehold. He died probably because he's, like, asthmatic and overweight. And There was a lot of factors. Yeah, it was a violent yeah. violent thing to watch. And it's all terrible. But, yes, I, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, like, I'm not I, – so I don't know. But, like, the guy got fired. It was obviously political. The way he was fired was was meant to create – that dialectical tension, yeah. the one side versus the other side for whatever end game they're playing. And I, I, so I used to just really like hurt my brain trying to crack the code on psyops. I'm a little better at it now. It doesn't hurt my brain. Yeah. But I remember when Ferguson first came out, I was like, why are they doing this? Oh, why, why, why? And I, I missed one. One of them is that they wanted to change it. I believe that the militarization of the police, which was happening as a result of like a lot of surplus military stuff coming out of the Middle East, and it was really turning our cops into like uh, robocops, they wanted to – they had to get the, the them versus – us versus them thing out of our minds because then we were all together, like black, white. It didn't matter. It's like yeah. those people are scary. So then they made it so that that – only black people had to be afraid of the cops. It was yeah. stupid. It was bad. And that's what they did. But I I think. But that I didn't catch that right away. But what I did catch right away was by saying that we needed kinder and gentler policing. Pull back on the police. Baltimore said that. That mayor of Baltimore. I believe it was the mayor of Baltimore. Somebody in Baltimore said, pull back. Like, please stand down. Or something weird like that. Maybe it was misunderstood, but I think their policy was to kind of back off exactly where policing is needed most, inner cities and stuff like that. Yeah. And I anticipated there would be 
spikes in crime. And I, and I already realized that the government has to have higher crime than they have because nobody's scared. And <laughs> the people need to be scared. That I, Anyway, I trace that back, I think, to the 1990s, that criminal justice reform, which was not a good thing that didn't result in a lot of justice. But because it expanded the net of people who were caught up, it did. It might have reduced crime. I don't know. But crime has gone down since then. And this. So. Uh, so what they're saying, and this is very dialectical. So this guy got fired and the articles over the past few days have been that New York City cops now, after the police chief said, I know you cops aren't going to like this. It's bad, 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 bad for cops. Bad, bad, bad. As a cop, I would hate this. If I were still a beat cop, I would hate this. They're supposedly like not arresting people anymore or not. They're really they've chilled out on that because they don't want to get in trouble for doing their jobs yeah. like this guy did. So, of course, what happens then? You get a spike in crime. Yeah. But on the other hand, so what's what happens when you have a spike in crime? You have an increase in calls for more authoritarianism. So the, the dialectic is the thesis is cops are out of control. The antithesis is cops have stood down. And the synthesis is always more, more control at yes. the government level, more regulation, less less discretion by the cops, just more centralized control, maybe a nationalized police force instead of local, which I think is very bad. I think you don't want that. There, there'd be no way to – nobody to fool. Like sometimes when you, when you read those stories of like international human trafficking or whatever, stuff that happens at the federal level, like these, these – any kind of crime ring – they have to fool the cops at the local level. So if somebody turns yep. up dead or missing, the local cops are looking and they're like, where are these people? And the feds can't just say, oh, yeah, we got this. Like, well, I've got to get reelected or this is my neighbor. So I'm a fan of local, not federal. <clears throat> but I think these things play into that. And I just I mean, if you want an example of a dialectic, I think that that the cop thing is really a big one. It's going somewhere. I got an email from, I believe it was Indivisible today, that was talking about the local district attorneys. And they were talking about how the local district attorneys are taking power back. Wow. They're changed, just like, just like the George Soros plan that we've talked about for a while, where you get control of the local district attorneys, and then they, they determine who what to prosecute what not to prosecute they 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 start to extend the the law the flexibilities there and they this is a and I don't you know I say communist it's a co-opting tactic to put people in these smaller these positions of power in these smaller locales where not as many people where people are passive and they're not aggressive about um, not a lot of fighting over to win certain seats and spots. Oh, some of them are unopposed often. Exactly. Like, you see that, like the judges and stuff. Right. You look at like those even running against you. So and it doesn't matter. Vladimir Lenin very much advocated. You get in these these places where there's nobody yeah. running, and yep. then you 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 take over yeah. these organizations at the local level, and then you expand out. You're very much still getting orders from the national. You're controlled from the top, but this is how you take over the entire system. And well, Stacey Pittsburgh, Abrams is going to be yeah. doing that too. 
the Pittsburgh guy, one of the articles that came out around the time oh, two weeks ago, I think it was, where there was the standoff with the cops and like six shot cops were shot, but nobody died. And remember that guy? Like we yeah. were talking about it. Yeah. You have no, you, you do remember, was it Philadelphia? I think it was Philadelphia. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So somebody came out, one of the people, one of the politicians saying, this was like a front page story said, oh, this guy's been corrupt ever since George Soros took over the DAs or something. It was so weird. And I mentioned it to you because I never would have thought that would ever rise to the surface. And I didn't know if it was rising to the surface to create some kind of back and forth, some volley, some dialectic. But I just, I noticed it. Then I don't, I I don't know if it ties in at all, but there was another wrinkle in that Philly case. Did you see JJ and Dean going back and forth about how the, the shooter, the perp, the guy who shot six cops was an FBI, I think, informant. I saw who that tweet. Gotten yeah, tons of trouble. Like he had been in tons of trouble. Always got off the hook, and I mean, to the extent you think that thing was a psyop, they use guys who get arrested and turn informants, stuff like that. Those are the guys mm-hmm. who conduct such operations. Are the guys who are in bed with law enforcement? And yeah. I thought it was a little bit of a tell that nobody died. And the idea was. That they they were trying to prove the point, if this is an inside job, that that not that cops are in danger, making routine calls, and that citizens having that kind of uh, resistance grade weaponry, as I've coined it, is unacceptable. And this they were rolling that out after Dayton, and then they put uh, fine points on it with that story. But that story does not doesn't hold that's water. interesting right as you were saying that i found an a headline i've never heard of this website in my life bigjolly.com little free advertising there the big jolly times and the headline says progressives are waging war against those who protect us and they're talking about the police obviously wow does it say exactly how it it's well the antifa eric, is eric garner the, what, the oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, it is yeah. the pants Leo effect. Yeah, it probably says it in there. Let me see. It says him, but yeah. I don't know if it says the effect. Yeah, yeah. So it is, that is the thing. I mean, this is when when somebody asks, "What's the dialectic?" The dialectic is they they start with one idea, they give you the opposite idea, and yeah, and out of the middle comes what they really want: the synthesis. And that is always power at the top. But I, so that is kind of a, it's the dialectical materialism or whatever that Marx said. <laughs> yeah. And I, isn't that what it was? Dialectical Something materialism? Something like, yes, his was materialism, yeah. I don't know what the materialism part of, I mean, I know what materialism is, but, and I actually, to tell you the truth, I think what Mao did in China, like the end game in China right now is like, I believe, I had a friend who moved back, moved there that's her heritage. She's American, but she moved there and she was just like, this is not, this is not what I expected because her parents were pre Mao immigrants and they consider themselves different. And over there, she said it, that it, it is like very materialistic. And I wondered if that's what material dialectical materialism really results in. But the, but 
I believe also Aristotle said, this is why I hate to confuse it because I used to actually like this idea. I thought it was Aristotle who said, aim for the thing that is furthest away from your vice. And if you get halfway there, you'll be better off. So when I had to defend being an anarcho-capitalist, I said, look, like our government is so has such a conflict of interest with us. They they trade in our fear, anxiety, our poverty, our the danger that we're in. Like that is what they they are selling us protection from that. And it is in their power to make stuff worse. So nothing yeah. could be worse than what we have now. And and even to the point where democracy provides this shield, this opiate that makes you think that that we're all hashing it out honestly when i when i think i read something in hoppe that said hans herman hoppe that said that if you that like a typical monarchy has something like five percent taxes and a typical democracy has something like 45 percent taxes or 35 percent taxes like they can really take so much more from you that way and then the uh so so I thought, well, here we are, this terrible system. If we if we aim for anarcho-capitalism and we end up actually implementing the Bill of Rights, you know, or the Constitution actually restoring the American experiment, I, that's not so bad. But that that is a kind of dialectical attitude. So it kind of bums me out. But I'm going to say it's a it is uh, it can be used for good or evil. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what's not right is when it's. When it's imposed upon you deceptively, like that. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting what you said. It's kind of the same way that Chinese spies or Chinese espionage spies or a drug cartel compromises a target. What the government does to the public, they get the public to compromise their principles and their values by exploiting their fears, their egos, their sexual desire, their financial hardships, whatever. That's the exact same thing that a spy who wants you to turn against your your government or whoever you work for, that's the same thing that they do. That's the same thing that a drug cartel might do to try to get a police officer to uh, to get a police officer under their thumb. Is by exploiting the same types of fears, the same types of ego-driven things and hardships. So, and it's really interesting. I guess the government is a thug, kind of anyway. If, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'd never thought about it that way until you just said that. So, I have a story. I don't think not too long of a story about Chinese spies. Being yeah, right. I thought that's what, what you were getting. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was heading yeah, into. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I know you said you had something like that. I don't. But what's it about? Well, apparently. According to this article in The Atlantic, and uh, I've watched a lot of think tanks about this as well, the kind of ongoing war with China, it's not just a trade war, it's a war, you know, technology war, an information war, really. And apparently Chinese spies are amping up their espionage efforts in America, just like we're amping up ours over there. And they're using new – well – I don't know necessarily new techniques, but they're using additional techniques that weren't as available until kind of the rise of social media. They're using LinkedIn, and there's a story about – there's been three 
former CIA agents who have been compromised by China, allegedly. Well, they, they've been convicted. I don't know the full details behind the story, so I'm not going to comment on whether or not I, I 100% believe uh, all of it. But the, apparently there have been three of them who have been convicted of being compromised and, and being turned into spies for China, being recruited. And, um, uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. the way that they got they got at least one of them was – it reached out to him on LinkedIn, and the guy was having financial problems. He had he had been out of the CIA for a while, and he was trying to launch a, a new business, and it wasn't working. And he was he was in debt, and he needed money. And somebody reached out to him on LinkedIn, and it was somebody who has five links with him. So there was a level he didn't know the person, but there was a level of trust because he shared five links with him. But people often just accept every link that people send. So it's really not that difficult to get if you try and link with somebody. Yeah. If somebody has thousands of links on LinkedIn and you try and link with all of them, you're going to get at least five of them. So it might that I might you might want to be careful with some of the links That's that you share when people reach out reach out to you because it's not hard to share links. And it started off with him. The guy was – he was Chinese, and this agent spoke Mandarin because he lived over there for a while, and he worked over there, and he had an expertise in – I can't remember what his expertise is, but it was an expertise with something – some work that he did in China. And so it started off as a, as a small casual conversation, and the guy said that he was from a Chinese think tank and that they wanted to talk to him about his expertise in China and American foreign policy because of his work. And uh, they spoke some Mandarin together, and then it was – after a couple messages, it was a phone call. They talk on the phone about it, and it was very cordial, very businesslike. And then it was, are we going to talk on Skype? We have the face-to-face talk. And at this point in time, you think you know the person. Right, you've talked that many times. You've seen him face to face. Almost feels like a friend, probably. So your guard is let down at this point, and you think you're going to get out of your problem. You think you have an opportunity to bring in a bunch of money to help overcome uh, the large amount of debt that he had fallen into because of the business he started. And before he knew it, he was flying over to China to meet with this person. And the article goes on to talk about that it's at that point in time when they get them in the plane and on the ground that they likely already have something that they can compromise them with. That they've, they've got them hooked at that point because this whole wow. time they've been gathering information wow. on through the questions they ask, through the connections that he has, through the, uh, publicly available information. They obviously knew about his financial hardship. That's why they reached out to him. They look into people's yeah, personal yeah, background, yeah. their family problems, uh, this do they have a family member in prison? Do they have a family member in debt? Do they have a medical issue they're dealing with? And they exploit these these struggles that people go through. They exploit depending on depending on what they do, these personality profiles on their targets. They target people who obviously are in positions that can get them information that they need. Whether it's a technological job, they have access to technology or information about new technology. Whether it's a government position, they have access to information that's privileged, classified information perhaps, or whether it's just somebody who has specialized knowledge or or who has special relationships with people in certain positions that can help them. So they compromise a friend of the people who are in power, and they can then get them to get stuff from their friend because they already, they're already the trusted individual. And they create dossiers on these people, and they're like, I don't want to say pickup artists, but kind of in the way that they are able to elicit information from them, win their trust, let their guard down, and then 
slowly get them to conduct actions like we were talking about Jeffrey Epstein earlier. You, you, Jeffrey Epstein wins them over by giving them a bunch of money to play to their, their egos and their desire to be a top research scientist. This is what the British did in World War I, too. They, it even talks about it in their papers. They knew that the, the intellectuals in the universities had big egos. They knew they thought they were so smart, and they knew that they could send somebody over there who they admired that would enable them to – boost their standing in their social scene in the universities and to play to the, that ego that it's ego, not just it's not just that they the ego gets them into say that again i lost you for a second oh sorry the the ego it's it's not just that they play to their ego in that way so they'll play they, they'll give them their make them feel proud and stroke their ego and stuff to appeal to them to get close to them but I've also read that the ego makes you very vulnerable to deception. Absolutely. Because you don't think you can be outsmarted. Yeah. I have been outsmarted by people who are nowhere near as smart as I am, mainly because I just don't expect people to be that bad, like to really try to fool you and cheat yeah, you. Yeah. And so when they are really good at that, it's actually much less common Thank God. It's actually quite uncommon. And I think if you are great at that, you might just become a politician. So maybe it's yeah. like much heavily weighted to being in a, in some kind of a high level position where deception can get you some serious success. But I think the ego works in two ways. One is you like it being stroked. And two is it makes you stupid. Yes. And especially in the case of the World War One, when the person who is coming over there to see you is a a celebrity in the intellectual uh you know social scene that they sent over literary people that these intellectuals admired and so they have a hero coming over here and this hero is buttering them up and so they automatically are just in awe to be in this person's presence and meanwhile this person is seeding information he's getting information about them interesting because there's so many people that you could name that were kind of, I mean, people say everyone from L. Ron Hubbard to George Orwell to um, Graham, Graham Greene, who did The Quiet American, those that they all were in, in intelligence. I, it would not surprise me because they target the people that have the most influence over the biggest amount of people. And they target people who are leaders of different groups oh, of society. That's what even Edward Bernays Dahl. wrote. Do what? Even Roald Dahl. Sorry. Who's I that? Talked over you. Roald Dahl, the guy who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know that. Oh, they thought he was a spy. He is. Uh, well, I think that's. He's probably evidence. dead now, right? Yes, he's dead. So they have two frameworks, at least a couple frameworks that the CIA uses. the The acronym for one of them is MICE, and this is a framework for. How, for the motivation for coercing a spy or compromising a spy into, you know, pretty much putting them, in, backing them into a corner. Some people want to do it. Some people find it exciting. Some people have a grudge against somebody. They oftentimes exploit a grudge as well. But the people that they can't, they gotta, they gotta coerce them. So one of them is, is money, obviously, and another the the I is ideology, the C is coercion or they or compromise. It's where they set them up a little bit more, and mm -hmm. the E is ego or excitement. So you play to that desire. So to, money? Yeah. Uh, what's the I? Money, ideology, coercion, and excitement. 
And then money, ideology, coercion, and excitement. Yeah. Ideology. They don't use ideology as much anymore I was as they did. Say I, ideology is. They use that one in the Cold War more. Yeah. Ideology is kind of turned oh, into identity. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. Right. The ideology. I mean, my parents were true believers on their end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real true. I mean, they worked for the National Review and um, William F. Buckley and. He was very quickly exposed as the Pied Piper of the of the conservatives. And he, uh, now the Rascals one is really interesting because you can see this in what we were talking about with Jeffrey Epstein, the way they were trying, the way that he might have been able to compromise people. And it's interesting because it's simple. It's actually influence tactics that good people use for good reasons, but also is used by bad people. And I'm pretty sure the guy who wrote the framework for this. His name is very hard to pronounce. He wrote the book Influence. I think he was working on Hillary Clinton's campaign, developing her persuasion strategy. But this one is called Rascals, R-A-S. This is Rascals in order to recruit a spy. Rascals, R-A-C-L-S. Reciprocation, that's the first one. I missed that. So I missed what you said. You said, I can't pronounce this guy's name. I'm only telling you to repeat it in case it's bad. Siladini, I think, is his name. And the book he wrote is called Influence. Mm. It's a really good book, and he talks about in there how it can be used for good and how it can be used for bad, so so being careful around it. And he talks about how you can spot people who are attempting to use it for bad. It's mm-hmm. a great book. It's very long. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of sociological Influence. studies. You, what year? That one, I think, was written like in 89. He yeah, wrote another one that just came out last year. I mean, year. because there's a term. I went to get a bank account the other day, and the guy wrote on my application – that I was an influencer. Yes, that's that's what they call. I mean, I'm not. On. I definitely have no influence. Ask me to try to sell your book for you. You will find that <laughs> I will. Yeah, it's not help. But influence. So influence is now a is now an occupation. Yeah, usually that's they use that more for people who are major YouTube stars or Instagram. Yeah, stars. yeah no, I know it is. I don't know why the guy wrote that for me, but it was weird. So. Rascals, the first one, reciprocation, it says to always provide amenities for your target. So Epstein, get on my plane, come stay on my island. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next one is authority. So from from your first impression, give off a sense of authority that you're an expert in the field, or maybe you are an expert in the field. So like the British, you send down somebody who is a – already known expert in the field or Jeffrey Epstein who pretended to be an expert but wasn't even he didn't graduate college he might have been smart but um mm-hmm. and now they're finding out that he didn't have the uh, the amount of money that he presented himself as as having and then and in this one this next one we see in the case we just talked about um of course it wasn't spy recruiting but the Popeyes publicity stunt scarcity so when there's less of an item item available, humans tend to believe that it's more attractive. So the rarer they are, the more expensive they are, humans tend to put more value and quality in them. So you make sure that there's less amount than there are the demand for it, and then you take it away before people stop wanting it, just like Popeyes did. Mm-hmm. What the example is that they have 
using this. Yeah, you know, th- my guess in that is they probably when the spy is talking, they probably act like they're going to pull away from the offer. You know what? We got a bunch of you know, you know you can't. This isn't your thing. Oh yeah, it's probably that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the C is for yeah. commitment and consistency. This is one that you see with the indivisible movement, and, and there are very much people. Uh, spies being created or uh, saboteurs being created through this commitment and consistency principle. It's where you get these small steps, just like just like they did with this CIA agent, the Chinese spy. You get them to do one small overt act, very, very tiny. Then you get them to do one a little bit bigger, then a little bit bigger. And then you frame it in turn. You get them to make a public statement about who they are, and then you frame these actions within that that's consistent with who they have publicly stated that they are. So this is this is how you can get as long as you can frame what somebody is doing as moral based on their moral standards, if you can twist it in their mind, then they will conduct the increasing level of actions. So if you're a progressive, it is it is moral and it is right to go shout down your senator because that senator is evil and he supports Donald Trump's racist agenda. So if you're against racist like you told me you were, like the signature on this thing indicates that you are, then you're <laughs> right. going to show up and you're going to lay down. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. It's that and you're type as of bad thing. as the other guy and we're going to exactly not like you anymore. And that's how they can twist those things and they, they increase the level of action to the point of where – by the time they're they're so deep in it, they're already compromised, and, and they got them by the you know I was, like I said I short talking, hairs exactly the short hairs. <laughs> there you go. And next is uh, the next is the liking. You you talk like them. You dress like them. You use their use their cadence. Oh my gosh! Is that why background. AOC makes noise when she chews? Yes. That's, that's why they target these individuals towards the, the demographics that people – this is why it's always – because the person – I say this all the time. The person who's going to be the one that is really good is going to look and sound just like the one who's really bad because it's the one who's really bad's job to look exactly like the one who's really good. I know that was a little uh, wordplay that's a, there. That's a little hard to get, yeah. You, have to, you might have to repeat that one. The person who you think is going to be the honest politician – is going to look identical to the person who is the dishonest politician. It goes back to what you were yes, saying. Yes, th- what you were saying about the criminal. The good criminal is the one who looks like right. the good guy. And we think we would spot the bad criminal, but people are always and- focused on the other side. It's easy to spot the bad guy on the other side, but the, the one you need to pay attention to is the one who's on your side because they have been spending their life training to make you to, to look and sound just like the person you trust more than anyone. I have blown the minds, and I bet this is what you're referring to, of many, many Democrats who think they get it. Like, Republicans are just disgusting. I can rattle off all their corruption, all their whatever. They're such bad people. And I'll say, why do you believe your side? And, And it's basically, they can't really articulate it, but what they're really thinking is, well, I share that person's ideology. Clearly, that person is being honest because anyone being honest with themselves would share my ideology because I'm good and I'm honest. Yes. And I say, well, what's to prevent a Republican from acting like a Democrat just to get power? Exactly. And they're just like, huh? And I'll be like, like Hillary. Yes. <laughs> you know, like she's the Republican in the room, according to your definition of a Republican. Yet you won't see it because she's got the D. Right, and that's exactly what 
this And is, I'm not saying yeah. I think she's a Republican. I'm just saying I do. I mean, whatever. I think they're all this. It doesn't matter to me at all. They yeah, all want yeah. war. <laughs> they, they're all big spending warmongers. But my point is that you, you that's why the parties at the level of the politicians doesn't work. Yeah. Because you can't really trust them. They don't care about ideology. They'll do whatever. Yeah. It says the very first part of this, it says, we like people who are like us. That's the that's, that's that's the basic principle right there, and the final one of rascals for recruit for uh, spy recruiting is social proof. By you know by observing others, particularly in unfamiliar environments, humans determine what the correct behavior is. So yes, I have said that about culture, and uh, that's in the psyop book. I've always said that. Like the problem with the multiculturalism is it, it creates. Confusion. I don't. I don't have a problem with it, but it just creates confusion. You want to key off of other people, and when you get it wrong, they tell you. Yeah. So you can stay in the group, so the group can function, and you know who to trust. You know if the person's going to be on time, or you know if they're going to cheat on you. You know, like you know culturally what you're dealing with. Yeah, and it talks about how this is a CIA document, by the way. It talks about how you can see this behavior quite often with people in cults and the the combined effects of social proof along with the power of the commitment and consistency can help explain tragedies like the mass suicides in 1978 in the Jonestown cult. And oh, Jonestown, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of those people didn't want to do it. Right. kind of had to. But I always wondered if cult and culture came from the same root. Possibly. I don't think they. I don't think they do, but. I wouldn't be surprised. And here's an example they give of in directing agents what to do. You can the case officer might say to the to the target, other partners I've worked with have brought out have brought out documents by doing X. It, this both this both encourages the agent that not only should they do X, but reassures the agent that he's doing what others have done successfully as well. So whether it's true or not, because this person is the authority, they they've uh, they've already reeled them in a little bit. At that point in time, the critical faculties aren't really working on it because they've already accepted this person in, so they're going to do what they tell them to do. And that that is what it sounds like this guy, this former CIA agent, got caught up in with this Chinese spy. So if somebody reaches out to you on LinkedIn, and if they start kind of smoozing you and you don't know who they are and they might have a few connections with you and you have valuable critical information that a spy might need especially a chinese spy be very very cautious <laughs> very cautious very so cautious. before you wrap it i have to say i think cult and culture are the same but occult is not the same uh yes do not get recruited by chinese spies that's the takeaway all right thank you for listening thank you monica for all your insights and thank you Thank you, everyone, who's donated and shared the show and left ratings and just done everything to help us grow. We appreciate it. Make sure to check out our new daily show, The Daily Profit, thepropreport.com, or the podcasting platforms. Uh, it's under the same banner as uh, The Propaganda Report on iTunes and everywhere else. And anybody who wants to donate or help out, you can do so through PayPal or through Patreon at thepropreport.com. We will talk to you all next time. Later.